One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Green and Black's Organic Chocolate, a selection of ethically sourced flavors combined with a rich cocoa intensity. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. Happy Easter, everyone. If it is even Easter, it's very hard to know what day it is, never mind trying to get our heads around being stuck at home on these lovely spring days. But of course, it's all for an excellent cause, flattening that famous coronavirus curve. And speaking of the C word, don't forget, every day we have a confronting corona podcast available wherever you get your podcasts, keeping you up to date with all the facts and figures in this constantly evolving situation. Look, it's Easter Monday and we thought we'd try to talk about something else for a while. So later on in the episode, we convened our usual gathering of book clubbers to ask them to recommend books to read in the lockdown. But first, always with an ear out for a good news story, we wanted to talk to Shauna Scott from Sex Shoppa, who has been finding there is an increased market for her products, which are all designed to help people love themselves a bit more in lockdown, which is the worst euphemism for masturbation and sex uh, I've ever heard. Anyway, uh, self-love. We're talking about masturbation and products to help people with that and with their sexual relationship with their partners. I began by asking Shauna what people were buying more of in this pandemic. Shauna Scott, this is a busy time for you. Tell us why. Oh, um, it's a busy time for me because with everything going on with the pandemic, I feel like I, I should be doing a lot more than I am in the same ways that like everybody else wants to do a lot more and can't but my business has been really busy like really really busy (laughs) and I think it's the same with a lot of online businesses all the things that we do at home whether that's reading or cooking or masturbating and having sex um all all of those online businesses seem to be doing really well right now Okay, well, you might have heard, um, I was talking to Sinead O'Connor a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and we mentioned masturbation and wondering whether people were spending more time doing it in this this weather uh, with the current lockdown restrictions. So is that the feedback you're getting, that people are looking for sex toys and various aids because they're spending more time doing those things? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't want to make too much light of the fact because it's like we're in a pandemic and it's a very serious situation but I definitely notice it in periods where we're stuck at home so when the weather is bad like when the clocks go back is is always a big weekend of sales for me like it's getting darker that little bit earlier um so anytime that like we're stuck at home is when my business tends to do really well. So now that we're stuck at home for longer periods of time, yeah, I think people people seem to be masturbating and having sex more. Okay, well, can we get very specific? What products are you finding are, are flying out of your uh, warehouse? 
So it's the same products that always do well, just a lot more of them. So like vibrators are always going to do really well. Lubricants are always going to do really well. I'm selling a lot more condoms, which is great. Um, Got to be practicing safe sex when you're in quarantine. Um, and then after that, I'd say like dildos and strap-on sets and then like anal toys. Anal toys are are doing well, are they? Yeah. I mean, like all of the categories are doing particularly well. But like the categories, like in, in order of popularity, it seems to be like vibrators and lubricants are always the top two. And then like dildos and then anal toys. Okay. And what are the particular vibrators that you're finding are selling more at the moment? Tons and tons of like bullet vibes. You'll have to explain that for those of us who aren't well versed in sex toys. And I have to say, I count myself among them. I'm, I'm ashamed to say that, <laughs> to confess to you, Shona, that I don't own one. Is that terrible? That's my bad. I always like, I have to keep telling myself, not everybody knows everything about sex toys, Shauna. <laughs> so yeah, so bullet vibrators, like small battery operated bullet vibrators. I think more than anything, I'm getting a lot more customers who have never bought sex toys before are suddenly stuck in this situation where they're trapped in their house and they might have thought about getting a sex toy and never really took that step to to make the purchase and are now like making the purchase because they don't have anything else to do. Oh, so what are you saying to those people? I, I kind of think that's interesting. These are people who maybe before would have never considered it, but now lots of time at home, lots of time to reflect and think and look on the internet for what's going on. And they're finding, right, I'm going to buy my first sex toy. So do they ask you questions? Do you have particular advice for people who yeah, are maybe a so bit like shyer? I do, I'm getting a lot of people who are emailing me asking for recommendations because they've never they've never bought a sex toy before. They don't know what they're looking for or like what they might like personally. So it's just trying to like ask them little questions to kind of like tease out what kind of sex toys would work best for that particular person because there isn't a one size fits all. And it's sort of a myth that like the rabbit vibrator is going to be the be all end all like a rabbit vibrator, like the one in sex in the city where you can use it internally and externally at the same time. It has the two bits and um, the two kind of move and work and bits. Um, and while that type of vibrator is great for some, it might be good for others. There's some people that like just clitoral stimulation. There's some people who just like internal stimulation. Um, so when people are like, I have no idea what I want. Um, I I've been told a rabbit vibrator is good. I kind of want to ask them a few more questions just to tease out like what will work for them. And the people who are first timers, are they okay with saying to you, Ooh, I prefer more clitoral stimulation or I prefer more internal, or do you kind of have to drag it out of them like blood out of a stone no like it's I, I I don't think I've I've come across too many customers I think once they get to the stage where they're emailing me um and asking me for recommendations they're pretty comfortable you know they mightn't be all the way there but they're comfortable enough in like understanding that like if you are asking someone for recommendations they're gonna have to ask you a few personal questions okay shona i'm asking for a friend now so what is a good toy to start with just asking for a friend you know what i mean asking for a friend okay it depends on what the friend likes does the friend like external or internal stimulation and are they particularly sensitive or um do they need a bit more from their vibrator i'd have to ask her sorry that's a lot but but say <laughs> say they're kind of not too fussy 
If they're not too fussy, something like um, I sell a vibrator called the Blush Gaia, which is like a little battery operated vibe, but it's um, it's a classic shape. It has a little dial at the bottom so you can turn up or turn down the speed and you can use it internally or externally. So if you're not sure um, and you don't want to break the bank, that's only 30 euro and it kind of it, it does a little bit of everything. Yeah, I have to say, Shona, I, I absolutely loving your poster. It just says, stay home, masturbate. <laughs> like the simplicity is beautiful. I'm I'm waiting for the HSC to send me the cease and desist because I, I sent it to like before I put it up, um, I showed my boyfriend and his flatmates and I've uh, one of his flatmates works in marketing. He was like, you know, that's the HSC COVID-19 yellow. I'm like, they can't own yellow. Oh, my God. Like if we look around at the kind of um, figures for, for other retailers as well, I mean, you're up around 30 to 40 percent. Is that right? Yeah. And it's like it's changing every week. So like the first week that we were in lockdown it started like I'm like oh I'm seeing a nice little increase in sales and then it's like oh no I'm seeing like a big increase in sales and like this week looks to be getting like bigger so I wish I had like a definitive answer like oh it's like 20 to 30 percent or 30 to 40 percent but it just it keeps growing for the the time being and like I've spoken to a few friends who have like online businesses as well and they're saying the the same thing And people who have like, let's say like a blended business where it's like online and they have a bricks and mortar store, the online side of it seems to be making up for the lack of sales in the bricks and mortar store, at least um, making up for it in in some way that more and more people are are buying online because again, like we're, we're stuck at home. Yeah, well, I'm just going to give a few other statistics. So sales of sex toys in Denmark have more than doubled uh, since lockdown. Yeah. Lilo, a Swedish luxury sex toy brand, has says it has increased by 40%. And Summers has seen a 27% increase. And interestingly, Carex, the world's largest producer of condoms, recently had to shut down its three factories in Malaysia for 10 days while waiting for government approval to keep running as an essential service. And even then, after it was allowed to open, it was only able to operate at 50 percent capacity. So there are worries of a global um, condom shortage as well, Shauna. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. There you go. Uh, Hot off the presses. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's terrifying. Yeah, I'm I'm in a situation at the moment where I have a marina coil. That's my birth control preference. And it's due to be replaced in June. And so I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm obviously going to have to switch to condoms but yeah like how am I supposed to get to the doctor to get that replaced well just don't try and do it yourself because that would be a disaster oh my god I can't even know like I had a I had a really bad experience the last time I I, I got it switched out yeah we won't go into that that was like that's no. a traumatizing experience but yeah I don't know I don't know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna have to ring around to my GP and ask what they what they recommend yeah, because you don't want to be doing that on a Zoom video conference or something with someone trying to tell you uh, what to do. The thing about the condoms, that is really like it's worrying on loads of levels. But I was reading uh, Catelyn Moran, who was talking about homeschooling and giving people homeschooling tips. And her top tip was make sure you use contraception because you don't want to be adding another pupil to the homeschool because that would be make things even worse. Exactly. Yeah. I know a couple of people who have had um, kids like just before 
we went into lockdown. And so they have these newborns and now they're in a pandemic. And so it's this weird sort of time when you're supposed to be having this like really loving bond with your child. But then there's also that guilt and uh, feeling associated with like, what kind of world have I brought this kid into? I really feel for anyone who's who's parenting during this. Yeah, no, um, it's hard, especially with, I think, with tiny, smaller children. Um, tell me something. A lot of people are in lockdown with housemates or people that they don't particularly want to know what's going on in their sex lives. Is there something very quiet you'd recommend for that scenario? <laughs> I'm in that same situation. Okay. I'm, I'm, me and my boyfriend are living in a house with three other people and very paper thin walls. And so <laughs> I've told them we are not having sex ever again <laughs> until this is over. Vibrator wise, like a small battery operated vibe um, would be pretty quiet. There's a few rechargeables like the, um, the Svacom CC is very quiet. Like any of the Svacom um, vibrators are very quiet. I probably wouldn't go for a mains powered vibrator, like um, like a doxy wand. Any kind of wand vibrator is going to be pretty loud. So you want to go for something that's like has whisper quiet um, advertised with it. And then in terms of like, I suppose just like stationary toys, like a butt plug is going to be quiet. Sorry, say that again. <laughs> Stationary toys. So like a butt plug is going to be quiet. Um, a masturbation sleeve, if you have a penis, is going to be quiet. Okay, I have to say, I don't really know much about butt plugs or masturbation sleeves. Well, what is a masturbation sleeve? So masturbation sleeve is like... Like a like a flashlight would be a brand of it. I don't I don't sell flashlight, but flashlight would be a brand. Um, it's like a sleeve that you put your penis into that you can masturbate with. It will have like texture on the inside, so you just load it up with a bit of lubricant and slide it over your penis, and then you masturbate with it. And um, that's very good. And then what about recommendations for couples? Because maybe there's people uh, in this situation now where they're thinking, OK, well, maybe this is a good time to spice things up a little bit or if things have got a bit boring. What are you recommending to couples who've never used anything before? What's a good way to start? Um, have a have a talk about what you want out of a sex toy. Like, are you going down a BDSM route or are you going down just like a vibrator route or um, maybe you want to explore with a strap on and you never have before. I think like now, since we do have so much time on our hands, it is a great time to, to try new things. Like I was trying new makeup all this week. I'm trying loads of like new cooking that I've never done before. So I think it's just having, having the chats with your partner and like you, like you would at any time. Um, but knowing that like now you have a lot more time in your hands to maybe, dip your toe into areas that you haven't before. I don't want to like recommend like specific toys because there's no like one size fits all. But I think like now's a really good opportunity to like have to have those conversations and and maybe like open up the conversation if you were scared before to say like, hey, I want to try a sex toy during sex. Like say like, hey, we're stuck together. Why don't we try some new things? For all the bad things that the pandemic is, it's I think it's really great in terms of like now is an excuse to talk about 
sex and talk about new ways of having sex with your partner. Speaking of that, I mean, it's definitely the first time the words butt plug have been mentioned on the women's podcast and we consider ourselves quite open. So that's a good first for us. <laughs> but you're American, so I'm really interested in you've been here how many years now, Shona? I have been here for 15 years. So I'm really interested in what you've noticed in that 15 years of how the conversation has changed around sex, around masturbation and how you have seen it evolve. And is it, can it, has it still further to go or do you think we're all pretty cool about everything at the moment? I think sex positivity in a society is like, it's not, uh, not necessarily an end point. It's, it's kind of like feminism and that it's like, it's always a journey. It's always evolving and there's always ways that we can improve on it. So when I first started, Oh, like I've had the business for seven and a half, eight years. I, I think the big thing at the time was you didn't really see sex being talked about in a in a very mature fashion in the media. Um, it was very much like St. Stephen's Green photo calls um, <laughs> with like photo call models. It was talked about with with a sense of like titillation rather than like having those like frank discussions about sex like we're having now and I really wanted to like change that that conversation and try to shift it a bit and I think definitely the last two referenda helped massively because we had to talk about things like relationships that aren't just like straight relationships and we had to talk about things like gender and and abortion and birth control And so we were kind of forced into a situation where we had to talk about those things. And yeah, I think, I think it has only been a good thing. And it it meant that we could have a much more um, mature conversation, like in the media about sex. I know you're having to keep quite quiet with all your housemates and everything, but what are you using yourself at the moment? What are you finding is bringing you and your partner a bit of joy? I'm not allowed to talk about that. I, I, I made a, a, a rule for myself at the very, at the very start that I, I wouldn't talk about like my personal sex life because it involves um, someone else. If it were just me, I would tell you straight off the bat, but because it involves him, I can't, I can't say. Oh, but I suppose you could talk about your m- masturbation life because that doesn't involve him necessarily. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I have like, I have a few vibrators that I really like. Um, I'm really pretty boring when it comes to my own sex life. I think I got, I've gotten into my thirties. I know what gets me off and I just go for the quickest way that's going to get me off. I just, I feel that I'm quite disappointed, Sean. I do have a few like bits and bobs that like I use on a special occasion, um, but for the most part, it's like I, I have my my go to like three or four vibrators that I really love. OK, I am a bit disappointed. I thought you'd be very wild and out there and like ahead of the curve. But it's good to hear that you're, you know, as pedestrian as other people in some ways in terms of the sex. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just like everybody else. Like there are there are some days when I just want to have the laziest masturbation sesh imaginable. Brilliant. And I suppose um, the other thing that people are thinking more about is maybe fantasies and stuff. And that's another thing that uh, people haven't maybe been as open about before. But is that something that you come across when you're talking to people and advising people? Are they telling you the kind of 
fantasy things and and stuff that they imagine when they're having sex very rarely like occasionally and like what i tell people is like your your fantasy life is your fantasy life it doesn't really unless um the fantasy involves a particular sex toy i don't really need to know what what the fantasy is but but i do um i do try to like tell people and i've said this like on my instagram stories i think i actually have a highlighted story of it but about your fantasy life like there seems to be like a certain level of like shame that's still there people still feel ashamed of their fantasies um whether that is like a foot fetish or a bdsm thing or whatever and so what i try to tell people is like what goes on between your two ears is like is your prerogative and that is like that is totally fine you're a shame free zone shauna and your website as well. And anybody who comes to you for advice will not have to worry about that or feeling embarrassed or judged or anything. Exactly. When people go on to my website, um, I wanted them to see that it's a, a website for everybody. I tried to stay away from, um, I, I mean, I know we've been talking a lot about vibrators and stuff at the moment, but like I tried to like build a website that very much um, is welcoming to everyone and not one particular subset of the market. I think oftentimes we see a lot of pinks and purples and very gendered language, which is fine. It works great for those companies. Um, but I, I wanted to I wanted to create a space that's like welcoming to absolutely everyone. Okay. And listen, if anyone wants to find out more or get stuff from your website, where can they go? So they can go to sexshepa.ie or they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at sexshepa, S-E-X-S-I-O-P-A, um, all one word. Okay, it's such a great brand. And I think you are a brilliant ambassador. And I think you've been a really massively important part of the conversation around sex in this country. So thank you very much for that. Can I say one more thing before we go? I think it's it's really super important, um, especially now, and you, I'm sure you've touched on this be- before in other interviews, but making sure to support our, our local businesses through this, making sure to support especially women-owned um, and queer-owned and um, businesses owned by people of color, because while like the, the big, like your Amazons and Tesco's and Boots, they're going to survive no matter what through this. A lot of these small businesses, myself included, um, even though I'm doing really well right now, might come out of this not doing well. So like always please make sure um, if you do need to order something online to try to do it with a small Irish business. Shona, that is a brilliant note to end on. And thank you very much for making that point. We certainly do agree with it. And I'm thinking of my own local businesses and smaller suppliers. I really hope they're still here at the end of it. And the, the only way they'll have a chance of that is if we support them. So I totally echo it. And thank you very much for saying it. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Shona. Thanks, Roisin. Stay safe. That was Shauna Scott from Sex Shopper there. Very educational, I'm sure you'll agree. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Blacks, a rich, smooth and truly delicious chocolate experience. Now, we can't get our book clubbers around the studio table anymore, but we thought this Easter episode would be nice to hear from them about the books they are reading during lockdown. I have to admit, I've been finding it difficult to concentrate on anything, but after talking to Neve Towie, Bernice Harrison and my mother, Anne Ingle, I've been inspired to tackle the pile of books by the bedside. We really hope this inspires you too. Here is our lockdown best books special.
which began with Bernice Harrison. So Bernice, thank you very much for coming on to our lockdown book club with a difference. How are you coping there in lockdown land? I have to say, I mean, all things being relative, I'm absolutely great because, you know, I just think of all these people who had hospital appointments that were cancelled, that are worried about people being sick, that even kids, people worried about the leaving search, what's going to happen. You know, I don't have any of those worries happily at the moment. So, you know, in the broader scheme of things, things are fine. They're just obviously deeply, deeply weird this low hum of anxiety that I think is sort of beneath all our waters, you know. So we had a listener, Sinead, who who emailed us and she was asking us specifically to cover books because she said at this time it's something that can really help people. I have to say I have found it a little bit difficult. I have a book on my bedside table, As You Were, uh, by Elaine Feeney, which is brilliant. But I'm finding it hard to concentrate and keep focus. So, but I keep pushing through because, you know, I know that once I get back into it, I will it will fly. Have you found reading difficult at all? No, I haven't been able to read at all. And okay. it was only when Suzanne, our producer, emailed at the start of the week and she said, you know, wh- what books are you reading? And I thought, hold on a second. I haven't read anything in I think since Leo stood at that podium in Washington, actually, it's not his fault. But, you know, and I think it's because I've been enormously distracted. And I and that's sort of frustrating in his way as well, because, you know, the stack of books by the bed that, you know, ominously look at you for days and days. Even books I got at Christmas are still there. And I'm thinking, God, if I'd only the time, I'd read all those books. And then I'd read all those classics that I haven't. No, nothing, nothing, nothing. I haven't been able to read at all. Nothing at all. Well, hopefully we've got you started then. And so you have. tell us about the, the old books that you're returning to then. You seem to have, that's the kind of vibe you feel you want to yeah. do at this time. Yeah, well, it struck me that I wanted familiarity because there's kind of a comfort in familiarity, isn't there? Um, yeah. And also sort of understanding that my concentration seems to be shot I can't concentrate for any long periods of time because of this sense of distraction. I sort of returned to essays, really, uh, books that I I knew that I could pick up and put down. Um, And also, I wanted a laugh, frankly, and (laughs) because I think that's... uh, you know, that's what we want. So, you know, this this whole thing about shopping from your wardrobe, I thought, you know what, I'm going to shop from my bookshelves. I'm going to look at my bookshelves and I'm going to see what books have Marie Kondo, uh, you know, brought me joy in the past. And what books am I going to be able to pick up, put down, reliably know that they're going to entertain me because I want to be entertained. OK, so tell me your first one. OK, well, the first one is and I'm I'm hoping that all our women's podcast listeners know Nora Ephron and I hope that they've read her and even if they haven't read her they have certainly seen her work because they've seen When Harry Met Sally they've seen When You Got Mail they've seen Heartburn and Heartburn just reminded me that actually I have a copy of Heartburn that was a film based on her book um, and it's here and so I'm going to take that down the book that I would recommend people start with first is uh, again these are books of essays they they tend this this book I think uh, all the essays were published elsewhere, like in the New York or the Atlantic and so on. So this book I'd recommend is I Feel Bad About My Neck and its collection of essays. She wrote it when she was 65. 
And uh, it's hilarious. Look, it's hilarious. She's this witty New Yorker, wry observations on life. The title comes from a piece she does about exercising, you know, how to exercise, this pain that exercising is. And she says, you know, your neck is the thing saying, don't kid yourself. <laughs> so she's just hilarious. It's a very New Yorker sensibility. It's very quick, witty, right, funny. And, you know, you'll read one essay, you'll put it down and you'll come back and you'll read another essay again the following day. And that's fantastic. So Nora Ephron, I feel bad about my neck. It was published in 2006. So it's not new, but um, definitely it's it's a go to. Well, I have a copy of that on my bookshelf, which I read a few years ago and I'm going to take it down. I think it's a brilliant recommendations. So what's your next one? Another book of essays? My next one is another absolute, you know, guaranteed laugh out loud. You can't drink a cup of tea as you're reading it because the tea will shoot down your nose. And that is David Sedaris, because David Sedaris is just flipping hilarious. He is he's an essayist. Um, if you if you read The New Yorker, you'll be familiar with him. Um, he he essentially minds his own life. So um it's all observational humor. Um, it's all just about what he sees as he's going through airports, what he sees as he's living with his, his boyfriend in England, the, you know, the English countryside, the strange ways they have. All his essays are sort of nearly a, a snapshot of his life at that time. So, I mean, I'm, I, I started reading his most current one, and that's Calypso. So if don't read Calypso first. That's what I'd say, because, you know, you're hearing me say David Sedaris is so hilarious. Calypso is not hilarious. It's sort of it's it's him. He's older. He's he's it's there's a lot of his father in it. His father's very elderly. He's in his 90s. So, you know, uh, the observations are are not so funny because he's sort of I suppose mortality is looming in the background. But um Anything else, like any of his others. Um, this one, When You Were Engulfed in Flames, absolutely hilarious. But I would say, um, as a starter, David Sedaris, go for Dress Your Family in Corduroy and Denim. And that's about him growing up, growing up in the suburbs as this gay, weird kid who he felt nobody liked him. He didn't even feel his family liked him. Um, and it's just the weirdness of American suburbia in the 50s and 60s. And it is absolutely guaranteed hilarious. Brilliant. Okay. And tell us about your final choice then. Okay. My final choice now, this is from somebody who says I'm finding it hard to read. My final choice is in fact, three books, but there's method in this madness. Um, Have you read Rachel Cusk? I haven't read her. Oh, a treat. Rachel Cusk is fantastic. Now she's really prolific. She's um, an English author. Uh, Well, I think she was born in Canada actually, but she's, to me, she's very, very English. In 2014, she brought out the first of what became a trilogy. Now, jeepers, maybe it was always going to be a trilogy. I don't know. Outline, then Transit, and then Kudos. There are very few writers, for me anyway, that, you know, you're waiting for the next book to come out. You know, you're dying for, you know, you're, you're dying for the next Laurie Moore. You're dying for the next Elizabeth Strout, you know, and I was always dying for the next Rachel Cusk. And I read them each when they came out in 2014, 2016, and 2018. So I'm now going to sit down and read the three of them sequentially. They're short novels. She's got a very particular way. Again, it's highly observational. She reveals her character through the interactions that the, the character has with other people. And the character in, the, in this trilogy is one called Faye. In the beginning, she's an aspiring novel. She's no, she's not aspiring. She's moderately successful, actually 
in a, well, in a small way. And the first novel is all about her. Uh, she she is going to Greece for um, a writing workshop. Um, that's in outline. And so, in other words, this this one small event going to Greece for this this writing workshop. She, she minds the stories of all the people she meet and it's through those stories it's through those interactions through those meetings that we get to know Faye the novelist and again in transit she's she's a young divorced woman who Faye is who has moved to London with her two children and she's renovating this terrible terrible flat and again it's about her struggles in trying to do that trying to find herself again in the world after her divorce trying to work trying to write there's a real feminist thrum that roils underneath all of Rachel Cusk's work and then in in Kudos which i remember as being her the my least favorite of the trilogy but maybe that'll change when i read them again she is much more successful and again it's about the writer's life actually it's a, it's about what it means does it mean anything who cares she she's got a very um there's a hyper realistic uh, tone in the, in the books that i think you can really relate to there's nothing whimsical about these books they're rooted in a real in just a very everyday reality so and and that's the case in all in all her novels but she has such a wry take and the stories that she mines from the people she meets is just fantastic brilliant well there's a lot there and i think you're shopping from the bookshelves tip is really good because i mean i know we're some people start still ordering things online but obviously nobody's getting out to bookshops. But but people generally do have books in their house that either they loved before, which will help them now that they're more comforting and familiar, or else books that have been on the bookshelves that they've been dying to read. So definitely a great tip to look and, and look at those things. And essays also. I'm thinking of Emily Pine's essay book, you know, Constellations, all these great Irish essay books that were out recently. So I think Sarah Baum has a new one out actually called Handiwork, which is essays all about... um interestingly she does a lot of crafting so I think the essays oh, yeah. are about that yeah uh, I believe your daughter is doing a lot of crocheting she's 19 she's doing a lot of crocheting I'm doing a lot of needlepoint so that's wow. how we're absorbing our time um well you need something that's going to absorb you something that's going to kind of take you away if if I hadn't given away all the kids jigsaws I'll tell you I'd be at them too you know <laughs> like I just want something sort of vaguely mindless that'll just take my mind off this whole thing Brilliant. Well, listen, we'll probably talk to you again before this is over um, and see how you're getting on. But thanks a million for coming on and take care of yourself and your family, Bernice. Bernice. And you too, Roisin. Okay. And okay. It's really nice to see you on Skype. I know our listeners can't see can't see us, but it's really nice to see you. It's really nice to see somebody else. <laughs> well, thanks. You look absolutely gorgeous. So thanks for you obviously spruced yourself for me there. OK, thanks a million, Bernice. Take care. Bye. Neve, tell me about your lockdown life. What's going on for you? Where are you? Well, I'm at home in Roscommon, Roisin, actually, um, and I hate to say it, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> um, the weather is really nice here at the moment and I'm getting out for loads of walks and I'm with my mum and my dad and all my family are here. So I really never get this chance to spend this amount of time at home and to actually work from home. Um, it feels really like transformative to be able to do my Irish Times shifts from home to enjoy the countryside at the same time. The Wi-Fi is great and I have a big desk in my room. So really, I have to say I'm enjoying it and I'm just trying to put out of my mind all the horrible stuff that we have to deal with all day long, all the news that's coming through. Um, I really am just trying to I think if I engage with it too much, I panic. So we were supposed to be buying a house at the moment too, and that all looks like uncertain. And 
I'm just trying to forget about all of those big things and just focus on the here and now and enjoy my time at home because it's not something you get that often. So I'm doing good um, and everything is good down here. We haven't had that many cases in Roscommon. There's only about seven at the moment. So everybody's been saying we're isolated down here anyway. So it's pretty easy to self-isolate. <laughs> OK, well, I'm glad you're having a, uh, not the worst experience. But like you say, it's about keeping all that anxiety at bay because there's so many people in such dark situations and it's thinking about that is, is very, uh, yeah, it's it's hard. Um, so listen, we're talking about reading and I'm just wondering how you are with focusing because I was finding it a bit difficult. Uh, part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation was to try and get myself back into reading because like, I find when I'm reading, I'm kind of getting a bit distracted and I can't seem to focus as much as I could. But well, how are you finding it generally? Yeah, I, I'm trying to use it as an escape, like from the news. Um so because I work on the news site all day long, I, I really need to step away from it and get outside and just turn it off for a few hours in the evening or I would go mad um, and the panic would set in. And that has happened a few times. So I started reading Where the Crawdads Sing when I first came home. And so I'm still kind of halfway through that. And it's I'm drawn to those kind of books that are like escapism and are about um the outside world and aren't really engaged with um, kind of even like modern civilization really at all. Um, and so those are the kind of things that I'm being drawn to. But in terms of concentration, I totally know what you mean. I think it's very hard to sit down and turn everything off and just focus on a book for an hour. I've been trying to do little bits where I can. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with the reading, I suppose. Tell us about where the crawdads sing. It's by Delia Owens. Is that right? Uh, it's written by Delia Owens. Um, so she's a zoologist, I think, and uh, she's a, she works in, in a zoo, I think. And um, this book is about a girl called Kaya and uh, she's referred to by the locals as Marsh Girl. She lives in the in the wetlands of North Carolina and it's it's set in the 50s and 60s. And it's this really amazing cinematic um novel about this girl who's completely removed from the town that she lives outside of. She's abandoned by her parents as a little girl. She's about seven. She has to fend for herself. Uh, she doesn't go to school, but she's incredibly intelligent and in touch with her own surroundings and everything that's going on around her. She learns how to fend for herself by fishing for mussels and selling them to local people who live uh, near the marsh like she does. And it's just this really incredible kind of coming of age novel about a girl who lives this completely other life that we could never, I, I find it hard to wrap my head around. And I feel like at this point in time, that's it's a real interesting type of thing to read because all of what we're living at the moment is completely really unknown to us and is new. And I feel like that's that's what what she's going through in this novel as well, is, or what she's telling us about is this completely unknown world where none of the normal structures of regular life that many of us are used to are present in her life. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, it's also a, it's a murder mystery as well, woven into it. Now, as I said, I'm only halfway through, so I'm not not sure what happens in the end. I can't give a proper review of it, but I'm really enjoying it. And I think it's a really good one if you want a way to escape in the evenings and read about another way of living, because that's what many of us are doing right now is trying to find another way of living. That's a good point. So that's where the crawdads sing by Delia Owens. Your next choice is The Wild Other by Clover Stroud. So why are you reading that one? Yeah, so um, similar reasons, I suppose, to where the crawdads sing. I, I, I read The Wild Other. We reviewed it on this podcast a couple of years ago and I really fell in love with it. And this I read it at a time when I was 
in Dublin, confined into my apartment and really missing home quite a lot, uh, missing Roscommon and missing the countryside. And um, now I'm able to kind of revisit it when I'm living at home and and working from home and all of those things that I longed for. And so I'm really trying to cling on to stuff that reminds me of what are the what are, what's valuable about this time that we're getting during this pandemic. Um, so The Wild Other is about... It's a memoir by this uh, woman called Clover Stroud. She's a British journalist um, who has lived this really quite extraordinary life. Um, And it's really interesting, like really full, really colourful memoir about everything she's gone through as it starts in her teenage years, which all centre around this one focal point, which is her mother, who is this real bohemian kind of cool mom who lets them do what they want and they're really in touch with um, their sexuality and uh, they go out drinking and uh, they drink in the house and um, it's about riding horses and you really get that palpable sense of belonging in this countryside home in, in England where they're from. But her mother has this horrible riding accident when Clover is 16 and she never really recovers from it. And so it's about the loss, essentially, of her mother, even though her mother doesn't die for 22 years after that. She's not really present in their lives. The fulcrum of their lives has dropped out. And uh, it's about Clover trying to find other ways of living, other ways of feeling, um, other ways of experiencing life after that. And so it brings us on so many incredible journeys. She goes to Ireland. She goes um, She goes out on the road with these Irish travellers for a year. She meets this guy, this Russian guy in the circus, and she goes off to Russia with him for a few summers. She starts riding horses in Texas with a cowboy guy that she falls for. And it's just this real, like, it's bohemian, non-conformist version of life that she lives for so long. And so much of it is destructive and you have your head in your hands thinking, why are you doing this? But I think in times like this, when we're not really sure how how we live now, um, this is another way of living and, and it's a real escape of a book. And um, it's also real life as well. It's not a novel. So um, I think it's a really good one to revisit if you just want a, um, an, an escape from all of the the horrible things that we're surrounded with at the moment. I love how you really are escaping through the books because both of those are such um like different uh faraway places and 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 faraway experiences for many of us. So it's that kind of getting out of ourselves. Your final choice is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, who a lot of our readers will be familiar with uh, from Eat Pray Love, which was such a massive book, and she's had other novels as well. But Big Magic is her non-fiction book about creativity. So why did you choose that, Neve? Mm, this one actually, I remember you were recommending this to me, Roisin, and um I'm not I hate self-help books and I find them really boring <laughs> and like laborious and I just have no interest in them but this is like a self-help book flipped on its head and that in one sense it's really practical and there's lots of really good advice for somebody uh, who wants to in my case I, I wanted to write fiction at the time when I when I uh, read it um, but it applies across the board to anybody who wants to create anything and essentially that's every human has something that they want to create and so if you whether it's whether you want to write a novel redesign your garden if you have an idea for a prototype for a printer this book is for you it's all about removing fear out of the creative process it's about learning how to just drop all of those 
misconceptions we have about our ideas and it's about really letting your ideas flourish whether that's on paper or with your hands or however you like to express yourself this is about it's about showing you a way to do that it's about removing all of the obstacles that we put in in front of ourselves um and that stop us from carrying on with it so she, you know she talks as well about really practical things like uh when she was writing eat pray love she was also working another job i think as a waitress um it's a while since i read it but she was working another job in the evenings getting up with very little sleep in the mornings to do six hours writing and she did this every day because she had this idea she wasn't an established novelist with a a big book forward that would sustain her while she was drinking coffee in coffee shops with her chromebook this was like really hard work it's about how hard work wins out and how it's essential as well as the creative process. Sometimes we can think that creativity is this flimsy, airy-fairy thing. She talks about it in very practical terms. And she also talks about the value of our own curiosity and about how it's more important than, um, it's more important to be driven by your curiosity than by your ideals of commercial success or, um, you know, peer reviews or that kind of thing. I think if you're trying to use this time in a positive way to do something that you wouldn't have done before had you been constrained by the nine to five of normal life, this book is a really good starting point and you'll get through it in hours. Like it's really, it's quite short. It's really easy to read and you can pick through the chapters as you please. And it's a really like practical one, I think, if you are looking to do other things that maybe you would have been a little bit afraid to do or that you're a little bit embarrassed to do before. This will remove all of that. And I think that's really valuable. Um, Especially, it's it's not just for people who want to write either. I know we're coming from a, a from a perspective of, of being writers it's not just for people who want to write it's for people who want to design or create anything yeah I mean I think that hashtag at the moment I don't know if you've seen it Niamh, uh create don't contaminate I really like it just seeing the creativity that people are coming up with but also I have to say uh, reading about creativity is one thing like there's a lot of pressure it seems like everyone's writing a book or everyone's trying to make this pandemic time they come out of at the end and they've done something amazing but I think it's really important also to say that if you absolutely don't do anything it's fine as well if you just keep body and soul together that's okay you know um I I just I I feel like sometimes I have to switch off social media because I think like I'm the only one not doing some amazing project but of course that's not true I think a lot of us are just sitting tight trying to get through each day and I think that's all we can do really so not to put a pressure on anybody no absolutely not no that's not what this is about I think it's actually worth uh logging out of your social media for a few hours in the evening as well um I've deleted Instagram since this whole thing happens I just can't deal with any of that crap and I actually am really enjoying being kind of isolated from it all like I think if you can take this time to be isolated from all of that uh, keeping up with everybody else uh, you'll find you'll find that there's so many other things to explore Neve, that's brilliant advice. Thank you very much for coming on uh, to talk to us about books and hopefully we'll see you on the other side of this and we'll be able to give each other a hug and uh, we'll get the book club back together for a proper, proper club. Oh, I look forward to it, Roisin. Okay, take care, Neve. Thank you. Okay, bye. And first of all, how are you getting on since we last spoke on the podcast? Um, I talked to you at the very beginning of this. We're now in the new cocooning phase. So how have things changed and how are you getting on? 
Well, you know, I'm in a state of acceptance now. I've been up and down with uh, anger and frustration, and now I'm in an acceptance phase. So long may that last. I'm missing the walk on the um, canal, but um, you know, it has to be, has to be. And I think we're all doing the right thing. When you heard the news about the, the cocooning coming in, it wasn't like a shock or anything. It was a shock, but at the same time, I think he's doing the right thing. The powers that be are doing the right thing, and it's for the benefit of the community. So, you know, we have to just get on with it. It's it's just one of those things. It's terrible. How did you reach this um, Zen place of acceptance? I I don't really know, actually, because I was one day I was really very, very upset, and I was, you know, shouting at the walls kind of thing. But I I don't know how it happened, Roshan. It just came over me that... You know, I'm not thinking of the future. I'm just thinking of each day that comes and trying to make that as happy as possible, which probably means eating too much bread and cheese, but at the same time, that's not. How's your Corona beard coming along? Well, I am waiting a delivery from Boots for an object called Flawless, which was recommended by one of those kind people on Twitter when I mentioned that I had this problem with the white hairs coming out of my and so I'm waiting for that to come tomorrow so I might be using that and I might be all clean shaven okay well you'll have to update us on that that sounds very interesting now we're here to talk about books not your beard so um let's get on with it we 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 asked all our book clubbers to choose three books but you've chosen three books by the same author so can you justify that please (laughs) yes well you see Nina Stibby only came to me recently and um i read that first book a long time ago that she wrote called love nina and she got a job as a nanny to mary Kay uh wilner who was the editor of the london review of books and in this uh book she fictionalized the letters that she wrote home to her sister back in leicester about all these strange people she was meeting like alan bennett and jonathan williams and also incidentally a man who was later to become her husband but I wasn't mad about that book, actually, so I didn't really pursue. But then I read um, Reasons to be Cheerful, which is her latest book. And that led me, I loved it so much that I went back to say what else has she written. She says all her books are semi-autobiographical, but my goodness, her mother in it is a, a real strange woman. <laughs> so um, I, I, I believe that it's true. Um, so the book that she wrote after Love Nina was called Man at the Helm. It's about two girls who are trying to find a new man for their mother, hence the title. Uh, you know, you have to have a man at the helm. We all know that, don't we, Roshi? Oh, of course. <laughs> Especially we know that on the women's podcast very well. Yeah. Um, well anyway, the children take on the role of the parents because um, their mother is so unhappy. She's 31. She's got these three kids and a Labrador. And they're convinced that a man would cure all her ills, you know, uh, and her ills include drinking too much and writing weird plays. So (laughs) the sisters put together a list of potential spouses for the mother. One of them is Mr. Long Lady, who is an accountant and a bee lover, and Mr. Dodd, who is a teacher. So the girls, they write these letters impersonating their mother, inviting these men to tea. There's several visits that are hilarious. There's a shocker of one from the vicar and several calls <laughs> from Mr. Dodd. So uh, she, to quote Nina in the book, she said, my sister said it wasn't that having a man was good, but not having one was bad. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but Lizzie, for her part, she says, if there's one thing I know for definite about men, it was that they cannot perform sex if hungry. 
<laughs> Mr. Longlegs, for example, was like every other man I've ever known. He was a huge fan of omelettes. Um, it's lines like this that had me cracking up, you know what I mean? <laughs> the man at the helm is full of fantastical happenings. I'm glad to say it has a reasonably happy ending. Mom, you got me into Nina Stibby as well by getting me one of her books for Christmas, which I, I'm just, you're just reminding me now how much I laughed reading it. The one about the, one about the old folks home. It's called Paradise Lodge. And that was the next one um, that, I, that I'm talking about. Uh, Lizzie, our heroine, is now looking for work. Um, when she was 10 years old, she was looking after her mother and trying to find her a man. But at 15, she's concerned about the residents and staff of a local care home. Paradise Lodge and so she takes a job there as an, an auxiliary nurse and her main duty is helping people with the comfort rounds so Lizzie becomes friendly with particular residents and she helps them on and off the commodes and uh, letting them into the secrets of her life and, and vice versa so but you know it's all very uh, graphic and intimate the whole toilet business but um I felt very informed as well as an old woman myself. But anyway, it, 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 it's very funny. You you loved it, Rosie, didn't you? Oh God, I loved it so much. I just um, it's just her writing. I don't know. I don't know if you have to have a particular sense of humour to really enjoy it. I don't think so. I mean, that omelette line cracks me up that you just read out. So you kind of, I suppose, you have to find things like that funny. I suppose it's surprising and just very real and down to earth. Like it's that kind of stuff. Um, she's fantastic. She's such a brilliant writer. Yeah. And it's funny. Towards the end of that book. Um, Lizzie has a revelation about what home really means. And I'll just read you a quote from that, Roshan, because it's very relevant, I think, for the times that are in it now. Um, she says of home, it should be where you're able to rush in and go to the toilet and flop on the sofa and cry at the horror of the world or laugh at the silliness of it and not dread being there. Isn't that wonderful? If we could be in our homes like that, you know, do all those things and not dread being there. So that that is very poignant for the for the, for the time that's in. So the latest one is called Reasons to Be Cheerful, the title of which was taken by, from one of Ian Jury's um, songs. You know, remember that Reasons to Be Cheerful. I do. And Mum, you better tell our listeners how you have a little connection to Ian Jury while we're here. Yes, when I was nineteen, I, I went back to college and I met Ian at the art school. And um, oh, he was it was he was wonderful. He was really wonderful. He used to slag me. To, to pieces and uh yeah that was a wonderful experience knowing him and watching his career then afterwards because i didn't know him after i left that that college but um it was wonderful to know how he got on unfortunately he's dead now but he was a great man mom mom i just a bit i just really miss you i just got really emotional <laughs> this is ridiculous <laughs> uh, pause take a deep breath roisin and don't have me crying are you okay? Yeah, great. I just really miss you, Mom. But you know what else has made me cry? Not just that. It's just, you know, when you said about it, it should be a place that you'd home should be a place that you don't dread, right? But then, do you know when I thought about that? There's so many people who home isn't a nice place and they're stuck there, you know, with, with abusive partners or. Just it's not safe and people can't escape it now. And I just keep thinking about those people. It's really horrible. Imagine like, imagine all the stuff that's going on that we'll never maybe know about, you know? Yeah, it's bad enough having to live with the ones that we love 
<laughs> very much. <laughs> that happens with horrible people who don't love us, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh, that line, Roshan, let's to lighten this up. That line reminded me of you because you know what you were always like as a child. So don't don't tell people what I was like as a child. That's what you all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mom. I no, I was. Anyway, moving on. That's all good. No, right but now. Mom. You didn't really make that clear because you were sort of we were talking over each other. I think my mother is referring to the fact that like when I used to come home from school, I was like I just didn't go to the toilet at the right time. So I was always like running down Sandy Mount Avenue to the house, banging on the door to get into the house because I was always dying to go to the toilet. So that's what she's talking about. So thanks for that, mum. Lovely. <laughs> anyway, carry on with the reasons to be cheerful. OK, so reasons to be cheerful. Um it just is a reason to be cheerful because in this particular book, Lizzie, she's very sophisticated now, and but yeah, very unworldly. And she's just turned 18 and she's moving out of a family home, which is currently occupied with this same lovable mother, a drunk, divorcee, nudist, amphetamine addict, et cetera, et cetera. And, and her lovely stepfather, Mr. Holt. Um, Lizzie has talked her way to a job as a dental assistant, having no experience at all in this area. And she's living by herself in the big city, Leicester, in a flat above the surgery that goes with the job. Well, you can imagine her experiences in the surgery are, are hilarious. And, and I will never, ever cross the dentist's door again without thinking of this book. I'm going to carry on. <laughs> but the other thing about uh, Nina Stibbing, which I really love, is the fact that she's always talking about food. And, you know, I'm very fond of <laughs> <laughs> this is 1980s England, reasons to be cheerful. And I have to read you this line, Roshin. Um, Tammy's mince and aubergine bake, moussaka in brackets, with green <laughs> salad and vinaigrette, went head to head with my spaghetti ring and chopped egg flan, bracket, across a black hole recipe featured in Women's Own, which was much nicer than it sounds. <laughs> well, that reminds me of your Indian fish surprise. Do you remember that one? <laughs> Indian whiting surprise. Oh, sorry. oh God, excuse me. Indian whiting surprise. It was a recipe that came from the Bordish Kavara. And what did it have in it, Mum? Tell everyone. Oh, it had. They wouldn't even believe it. Myself. It was disgusting. Cheese, mayonnaise, uh, pineapple, and of course the whiting. Oh, it was really terrible. Yes, it's one of those. It's like the spaghetti ring, isn't it? It's the same kind of vibe. <laughs> Indian whiting surprise. Oh my god! Don't we? You're making. I can actually hot. smell it now. That you just. Um, but mom, I think you know what. Uh, I think Nina Stibby like is a really great recommendation for these times because we're. I think it's the looking for distraction. And, you know, it's also looking for a laugh. And we had a great uh, feature in the Irish Times this weekend, if anyone wants to go and check it out, where writers talked about the books that make them laugh the most. And I, think I read I read some of that. I think Anne Carey uh, pointed to Nina as well. So but I'll just leave you, I just to say that um, the plot is very funny, but there is a, an element of sadness in it, which is... Um, Oh, it's very well done. Uh, it comes unexpectedly and it shows you what a great writer she is because she handled it. But the, the thing I have to read for you is a, a reaction to this sadness. Lizzie says, I'd known sadness before. I'd seen it, but I'd not experienced the sort of pain that makes a person switch sandwich preference. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, stop it. Oh, I mean, I, uh, that's brilliant. 
Um, um, Mum, you, you have macular degeneration, so you listen to all your books because you can't really see as well as you used to. How are you finding your concentration? Because we were talking about this with Bernice and Neve as well. Are you focused? Are you able to sit down and listen to something, you know, at this time? Yeah. Well, I'm listening to Zorba the Greek at the moment, which is very good because it, it takes you to Crete and you're just, you know, in the lovely sunshine and the blue season. It's great. And I don't find any difficulty in listening to my books, but I'm finding any difficulty in actually working. If I want to write myself, I'm finding getting down to any actual work is very, very difficult. Um, if my mind is not able for that, but I can put on the headphones and, and escape. But I just want to say before I go that um, I read recently a book that you read long ago, which you, you, um, I Captured the Castle by Dodie Smith. Yeah. And I would remind people of that book, and especially if they are on Audible, because Jenny Agatha reads it. And it's absolutely wonderful. And that's another escapist kind of humorous book that um, I would recommend. So, yeah, I've given a whole load of stuff for people to be. And they're all on Audible. All of those books I've mentioned are all on Audible for my colleagues, friends who can't, like myself, get down to the actual books with the old eyes. But also some some people, when they're out on their little two kilo- walk within the two kilometre radius, are bringing their headphones with them and they're listening to things as well. So people can do that, even if they don't have... Uh, eye issues. Uh, Roshan, I had a lovely um, phone call from the eye in the hospital giving me a revised uh, appointment for my next eye injection and it's not until the 4th of June, which is a date I'm hanging on to because they must be thinking that everything is going to be okay by then. So if I can go to the eye on the 4th of June, I shall be a one happy, happy lady. Even if you're getting needles stuck in your eyes. <laughs> Okay, Mum, thank you very much. Sorry for losing it a bit there, but I do really miss you. And I I know that you're taking care of yourself and you're being taken care of as well, which is really nice and comforting for us to all know. But anyway, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for those brilliant recommendations. Okay, bye, Roisin. That's all we have time for today. Thanks to Shauna from Sex Shopper and to our book clubbers, Neve Towie, Anne Ingle and Bernice Harrison. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Acast and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.